0: You're listening to episode 47 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I'm going to be super straightforward and say I don't know how I held it together for this week's conversation. The excitement was nearly overwhelming. If you know me well, you know I love sports. I always have. I really love football, though. It's the one sport I follow with passion. If you know me really well... You know I rock hard with the Pittsburgh Steelers. While I admire the perseverance and mental and physical strength of athletes, I'm always more impressed with what they do off the field. This week's guest caught my eye years ago. He wasn't only putting in work when it came to pursuing his NFL dreams. He's also a philanthropist, devoted husband, father, man of faith, and all-around Dope guy. I was so grateful to sit down and talk to one of my favorite athletes who announced his retirement exactly one month ago today on June 10th, the defensive beast, nine year NFL veteran Arthur Motes. I'm not sure I ever laugh so much during a conversation, but Arthur radiates positive energy and fun. And those are two things I am down for always. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you're back for another episode, I appreciate you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or wherever you stream podcasts. If you're on social media, connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at at MindBizLife. Okay. Are you ready to dive into a conversation about faith, family, and of course, football? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up. Let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business, and Life.
1: Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. Today, Oh, Lordy, today I'm going to have to try and keep my excitement at bay because we have retired nine-year NFL veteran Arthur Motes on this show. Arthur, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, appreciate you having me, you know, being on with a JMU Duke, was a pleasant surprise.
0: Yeah. I feel like I don't even have to tell you how happy I am to have you on this podcast, but... Before we get started, I think you should know we have some similarities between us. So, you ready to okay, let okay. me hit you with them? Okay. Definitely. We are both the same age, we're 88 babies. Oh. Okay, I like I it. I know, I like it. I think That's it's also, ever. I, I'm saying it really is. I mean, people <laughs> underestimate it, but it really is. I think it's also fair to say that we both grew up in the church. Your parents yes. are pastors, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, we're, my parents are so heavily involved. Oh, I hope awesome. okay. this next fact the interwebs didn't steer me wrong on this, <laughs> but you know, sometimes it's a little tricky. But at the age yeah. of 17, we both experienced our parents' divorcing.
1: Yes, this is true. Yeah.
0: It's, it's no, you
1: look at you doing your research. Okay. I
0: really do it. Yeah. But I, I thought it was like kind of interesting because yeah. I'm always really grateful that I had the childhood with my family together. Absolutely. But then, like, to start adulthood as, like, a different yeah. family dynamic.
1: Drastically different. Whew. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, a, it's a little different. So, oh. next fact. Um, okay. We were both poli-sci majors in college. Yes. Yes. But I, came, sci- I changed mine two more times after that. I, 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 was, I started just, there, though. I started little,
1: See, you started there. I ended there.
0: Really? You didn't in start in as uh,
1: No. So, I came in for biochemistry. I switched to communication, then education. And then I was like, you know what, poli-sci, where's going to be?
0: Oh, my goodness. I did poli-sci business and then ended up with communication. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> okay, so last like one, it. you're quite the comedian, and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to be. I'm hilarious or anything, but, you know, I'm pretty funny too much. Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. So let's just get down to business. I saw that this week you were inspiring and coaching the youth at the Steelers mm-hmm. Football Camp. So let's yeah. just do a little bit of a rewind and talk okay. young Arthur Moats first. <laughs> so how old were you when you started playing football?
1: Oh, let's see. I was around four years old. That was like when wow. I, I want to say officially started doing like the flag football and stuff like that. Then yeah. by five, started doing the uh, tackle football, started a little early. Yeah, but, you know, it was something I was always passionate about. Um, I was able to communicate that with my parents early on that this is what I wanted to do in terms of being a professional football player, and they were wow. all for it. So, yeah, they signed me up early, and it was yeah. plenty of times where. to
0: supported your dream from the get go. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it was a rough start, though. I remember, um, especially when I first started playing flag football, it was this girl. She would kill me. Oh, yeah, crushed by a girl. On the field. It was like it was like the little giants. I'm telling you, this girl was like the like Becky the Icebox off the little giants. She would destroy me. It got to the point where my dad was like, "Yo, if you can get just one flag, I'll give you a dollar." <laughs> and I might have had three dollars by the end of the season. If that, I it wonder, was bad. I wonder where <laughs> yes.
0: this girl is today. Like, I, I don't know, but she
1: was she was awesome. She was wow. one of the best players ever played against. I, I just got to set the tone right now.
0: <laughs> wow, did you play any other sports or like you found football and you just that was it?
1: So. Early on, I was strictly football. Once I got to high school, I spread it out because I love just sports in general. So yeah. when I got to high school, I played five sports my junior and senior year. I mm-hmm. did football, um, basketball, and wrestling at the same time, and then soccer and track at the same time as well.
0: Dang. Yeah. It was crazy. Overachiever. Yeah. But it was yeah. fun, though. And, yeah, I know. Everything, yeah. everything
1: I did from a sports standpoint was geared towards me becoming a better football player. So right. with basketball, you're working on your footwork, your conditioning. Mm. And wrestling, you're working on the hand-to-hand combat understanding, and leverage, soccer, footwork, and right. then track is the speed, speed. aspect. So all yeah. of those things work towards maybe in a better football player. Because like I said earlier on, I knew that this is what I wanted to do when I got older.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think as you know, a young athlete, we really have yeah. to learn a positive mindset. And Absolutely. you know that mindset can make or break you regardless of your skill set. You could be the most talented mm-hmm. person in the world, but if you have yes. a crappy attitude... No one's going to listen to you. So how was a positive mindset not mm-hmm. only encouraged, but demonstrated when you were a child?
1: Oh, man. So that was a good one for me. Um, it started with both my parents. Um, like I said, they were both pastors, but more so with my father, who was a former Marine. He uh, oh. served 13 years. So for him, he instilled all of those positive mind qualities in me early on in terms yeah. of no matter how rough the situation is, you're going to come out of it, no matter how bad it may look, no matter how much the odds will be stacked against you, you're going to come through this because you're good enough, because you put the work in, because nobody can stop you from being great. And it was just wow. hearing those things over and over as a young kid. You're like, oh, absolutely. Let's go with it. Yeah. And then from my mom's side, like I said, well, both of them being pastors, she would hit the religious uh, religious aspect and be like, you're somebody because God doesn't make junk. You're mm. somebody because you know God took his time to make you. And these are all the things that I would hear over and over as a young person. So as I progressed through life, I mean, those are all the things that I believed wholeheartedly. And I think that positive mentality will ultimately help me be successful.
0: Yeah, it's like you had Les Brown and Mother Teresa, like, yeah. <laughs> <so> <laughs> <laughs> like motivating and like spreading hey. that like positivity. <laughs>
1: I, I was very fortunate growing up, man.
0: Yeah, so spirituality definitely takes a yeah. forefront in my life. I believe that we have to have faith in something mm-hmm. bigger than ourselves. Absolutely. What is the role of spirituality in your life?
1: Oh man, like like you said, believing in something bigger than us. I'm a Christian, so. For me, growing up, it was always believing in God, believing that regardless of the situation, I know that, number one, he's never going to put more on me than I can bear, and that I know he's always going to help me Mm -hmm. come through it. And when you think about just the Bible in general, it was so many characters that I could relate to in the Bible that had went through trials and tribulations, ups and downs, and still found ways to be successful. So for me, Mm -hmm. I just took all the things that I learned in that regard and just put them part of my daily life. And I still continue it that way as well.
0: Wow. So, what keeps you humble and grounded? Because you're really humble.
1: Man, I, t- I try to be humble. I appreciate you are that. really yeah. humble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, man, I think the biggest thing is just I've been on the other side before. I've mm-hmm. been, you know, in the inner city housing, um, super low income. I've seen some very rough times growing up. Versus uh, from my family standpoint, a financial standpoint, even from an athletic ability standpoint. So, for me, now that I was able to have a ton of success collegially have success in the NFL, I never took it for granted because I said to myself, I've been on the other side of that thing where you aren't the glamorous guy, where people don't you know, want your autograph, yeah. people don't care about you in that regard. So yeah. for me, I just really have that appreciation for it.
0: Oh, I love that. So you're definitely <laughs> not a rookie when it comes to marriage or parenthood, but how has <laughs> life changed since becoming a husband and a father?
1: Man, so uh, for me, I think the biggest thing was just it helped me mature a lot.
0: Mm. You know, yeah, I feel like that. When, you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, when, when you're young, especially me, I was young going into my uh, first year in the NFL. You know, you, 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 you like to test the, the market, see what, what's out there. You know, you yeah. get in trouble sometimes. So, for yeah. me, I it really slowed me down in terms of number one, being more mature. Number two, understanding the financial responsibilities. You hear so many times about NFL players, you know, blowing their money, going broke because you do a lot of dumb stuff. At 21, the amount of money they give you, I mean, it's something that you've never seen, nor can your parents even fathom. So you don't know who you can talk to. And you're surrounded by other guys who are in that same position, spending a ton of money on nice cars <laughs> and all these other They can give you that
0: advice yeah. right?
1: <laughs> So for me, when I got married, I had an older person now who was able to kind of guide me in that regard. And then when mm-hmm. I had the kids to come along with it, it was just like, okay, now I really have responsibilities. It's not just oh, if I lose this money, I I have to take a loss. I'm like, right. I can always get it back. But for the right. kids now, they're negatively affected by it. And right. I always told myself that whenever I made it to this position, I was going to make sure that I changed the dynamic for my family from a generational wealth standpoint.
0: I love that because like, there's so much like generational karma that like, it's like carry on Mm -hmm. with us and like money is a big one. Like how we do it, how we spend it, like just the Mm -hmm. energy of money. Like
1: absolutely
0: totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really try to preach and teach and demonstrate kindness as a parent Is there Mm -hmm. a core virtue that you really try to instill in your kids?
1: Oh, man. Um, Honestly, the team aspect and the love aspect. Mm. Number one, when I speak of team, we're a family. So regardless of what your brother or sister may do, you always ride with them. You always make sure that you help support them through the good and the bad. No matter what it is, no matter how big or small it may be, it's (laughs) important to them. Right. Support them. in it, And then the love aspect. No matter you know how much y'all disagree with each other, no matter how, how much got you guys fight and fuss, stuff like that, at the end of the day, you're gonna love your brother and sister. They're gonna love you back infinitely yeah. because y'all are blood, because y'all have that type of relationship. And that's kind of how I grew up as well. Me and my sister and brother, I mean, we had plenty of oh, disagreements. I yeah. each other fights, all type of stuff. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. But but the one thing that we always said was. I might talk bad about you. I might, you know, we might get into fighting, but if anyone else come out and try yeah. to say something to you, oh, it's on. Like, yeah. we got you. Don't ever worry about that. Right. So that's just the same type of qualities I try to instill in my kids.
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah, my, my older <laughs> sister was always, and still is, like, the same. Yeah. Way. Like, she can say something about me, but, like, don't you dare. Like, yeah.
1: yeah,
0: Don't even open your mouth. Don't even open my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, a lot of my respect off mm. the field. So when I saw that you were getting your uh, master's, I was like, okay, I see you. Like this dude is <laughs> smart, not just from a, always going back to this master's standpoint, yeah. but I, I could see that you were thinking long-term, like yeah. the game's going to end for you at some point. Absolutely. So, um, you know, what, I, I don't know. I guess like to me, it just shows that you really value education. Like that is <laughs> a core value of yours. Yeah. Why is education so important to you? <laughs>
1: Man, well, education is huge for a couple of reasons. First off, not only were my parents pastors, but they were both educators growing up. My father's been a high school teacher for going on 30 years now. Um, My mom has done early childhood for probably 10, 15 years as well. So they were always big on education. They were always big on understanding like your mind is more powerful than anything you could ever do. The more you feed it, the more you grow it, the better you can be in terms of being successful. So for me, they always was instilled that in me and by no stretch of the imagination was I ever like one of those kids who could just wake up and get an A on the test without studying like right, I wanted yeah. to have to like work yeah. countless hours study make note cards do all this stuff
0: to get good grades <laughs> yeah. so
1: for me it became more so like once I had went back to JMU um, after my rookie year to finish my undergrad I felt like okay I was becoming complacent and I always talk about hey you never want to be complacent in anything that you do right you always have to, you know, strive to be great. Whatever it is, strive to continue to grow and get better at things. Mm. And I was like, once I reached that bachelor's degree, I was like, man, I'm being complacent again. Mm. Like, I'm just chilling. I'm not really trying to push myself from an educational standpoint. Yeah. And I felt like a hypocrite when I'm going to talk to kids and tell them right. they got to push themselves. <laughs> so right. for me, I was like, well, you know what? I can, I can, can, I can send a message here, right? I was like, I can go and get this master's degree while I'm playing. And not only will that show the kids that, hey, not only do I verbally talk about the importance of education, I'm physically showing you it, but I can also inspire the, the adult who's married, who has kids, who's in their career and doesn't feel like they can accomplish you know, getting that master's degree or going back and getting their bachelor's degree. I was like, man, there's so many online programs out that, hey, you can make time for it. And for me, I always felt like it was important to do it while playing. Because I feel like if I would have waited till I retired to go get the master's, like, well, you're retired now. It's easy to do it.
0: Yeah, right. But when
1: you're doing it while playing, while being a starter, while having a wife, while having kids, I think all of that just added to it. And that was the real purpose behind it.
0: Yeah. It's tough, too, to have all those responsibilities and and have Uh, go back and do that. Well, you
1: know, as a parent, absolutely. Yeah. You you definitely know how it goes. Yeah. It's it's hard to do from... I mean, first from an energy standpoint, I mean, you're, 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 yeah,
0: that's truly the hardest aspect Yes, like,
1: absolutely. you have
0: a lot mentally going on to like find (laughs) one more piece of space for that in your mind, like, how do I do it? Yeah. I had my oldest daughter in college, so I, I finished college as I actually became an entrepreneur before I graduated college. Um but I was like that's
1: awesome man to me that is I, awesome.
0: when I told one of my professors she was like oh so you're yeah. gonna take the semester off I was like no like, no. <laughs> I, like I, gotta, I gotta finish this. Like, we're on Pell Grant. I have so much money to spend like we're finishing this for sure. For sure. But let's expand upon an area that you just yeah. excel at, and that's community outreach. It is clearly something that you're passionate about. You've yeah. given back in some big ways, uh, mm. JMU for the new college, which is finally <laughs> being built, um, and a mm. scholarship as well, and then of course Ronald McDonald House. United way I feel like the yeah. list will go on every time I turn around. You're doing something, <laughs> great. and I know you don't do it for the recognition, right? but it hasn't gone unnoticed. Um,
1: so and what, I appreciate it too. I will say that I do appreciate it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what have you learned from the value of serving yeah. your community? And, and when did you really start to do this?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny that, well, you know, when we first started talking, we we're talking about early on in your childhood, right? So for me, yeah. that's where it all started at um, with my parents on the Saturdays or sometimes Sunday after church we would go into the inner city communities and just hand out loaves of bread. We would tell the people that Jesus loves them. And Mm. literally that would be it. But I remember going into these neighborhoods and you're nervous because they're, you know, the lowest of the lows, a lot of crime and stuff. And you're nervous. Like, man, what if I get shot? What if, you know, somebody beats me up while I'm out here. Right. And when you knock on their door, they're very defensive because Mm. they don't know you. They want to know like, what's your angle? Why are you here? But to see just how they would let their guard down and how positively impacted they would be by that simple gift of bread. For me, I was like, wow, when I got you know more research and I got a larger platform, I said, I wanted to continue this and do it on a larger scale. Right. So when I got to the NFL and I got this platform, I felt like now I have that chance to really make an impact. And I said to myself, how do I know, you know just by me doing uh, our appearance at some school or, or showing up to a football camp, that could change the trajectory of a kid's life. That could be the difference between this kid going down one path that leads to destruction Mm. and the other path of him being a successful person, husband, father, whatever it may be. So for me, when I think about that, I'm always like, you know what? Absolutely, I'm going to give up my time to go do something in the community because you just you never know who you're going to impact. And I've been fortunate enough now for some of the stuff to start coming full circle. You know, now that we're talking our age a little bit. (laughs) So for example um I did Big Brothers Big Sisters program when I was at JMU. Yeah. And recently the my my little brother who was 6 when I met him just recently graduated high school. Wow. And like just having those conversations crazy, right? Wow. Then um uh, we had a football camp that I would host in my hometown in the uh, Tidewater area of Virginia. One of the kids from there recently graduated college. He's like you know, I started playing football there because of you. I had success in the, in, mm. at, at Towson University because of you. You're like, and now I just graduated. I'm just like, wow. Like, yeah. it's crazy when it comes feel to feel good like moments. That. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it validates the reason why you do it. It's like, mm. you know what? This is why I wanted to do the community outreach. This is why I wanted to invest my time so that way I can hear these stories of guys being successful because of that hour to two hours. Right. You know, it didn't take long. But yeah. just that little bit was enough. And yeah. that's why, you know, I'm just always passionate about it.
0: And you never know when someone's watching you or like, you the question. role model. Yeah, like they may be like, mm-hmm. oh, thanks for coming. But like deep down, they're just like, whoa, yeah. like that changed my life or you, Absolutely. Just, you just never know. And I always say like you change one person's life. That in itself is a ripple effect for every oh, person no you're going to come in contact with. No
1: because question. It's and it's the, the pan forward off. aspect of it, right? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, um, okay. I've kind of held off long enough. Can we, can
1: uh-oh, we now? <laughs> can we talk football? Absolutely. Listen, right. listen, you got the Steelers banner in the back. I was over as, soon as you yeah. It was like, go Dukes. Here we go Steelers, <laughs> whichever one we want to go with. We're going to go good. both.
0: We'll go both. Yeah. You know <laughs> we're gonna go but yeah. I know my my uh oldest daughter, she's like can I can I come in and say J M U? um you at the end. Okay. Like, yeah that's what she wanted. That's all she wanted. It's like maybe at the end, I'll call. We'll on, I'm just gonna skip straight forward to your time with the Steelers. I mean, there was some other team that you played, but you really took a big leap of faith when it came to signing with the Steelers. You signed a veterans contract, Um, Mm -hmm. so really you just had to put your faith and trust into the organization. Yeah, what made you lean into that decision?
1: Yeah, so for me, um, when you just talk about the setup of that at the moment, like I said, coming off of my fourth season in Buffalo. Going into free agency, my wife had just we just had our second child at the time, mm. so it was a lot of uncertainties, and we weren't financially set. Like, a lot of people always assume that you know when you get to the NFL, you're rich, and it's yeah. like, no, like, it's a build up process to get like the nicer right. contracts, and a lot of guys don't ever reach that point. But, um, the one reason why I decided to come to Pittsburgh instead of following my uh defensive coordinator at the time who went to Cleveland was two things. I said, number one, the organization, it was way more stable when you looked from top to bottom, same ownership, same management, same coaches for, you know, 10 plus years. So for me, I was like, I love that. Whereas at Cleveland, it was the same situation in Buffalo, you know, constant turnover. You never knew who was going to be the coach or the Mm -hmm. manager. And all that can be very detrimental to a player's growth and development. Right. Then the second thing was my personal relationship with Coach Tomlin. With mm-hmm. both of us being from our same hometown, yeah, we already knew each other. Um, anytime we would play them when I was in Buffalo, and obviously he was with the Steelers, we would always have talks you know, before the game or after the game, so we always had a rapport. Right. And he was the, the guy who pretty much told me, like, hey, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but if you come here, you're going to switch positions. Yeah, I can't guarantee you a spot, but if you beat the guys out and you produce this year, we'll take care of you with a contract. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is crazy. Oh my God. Um, everything in my mind is like, yo, don't do it. Go with the same right. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Like, I can't live in my fears. I have to go mm-hmm. after what I know. And that was what it was. And I felt like I really felt it was going to be an opportunity for me to display what I can be as a player. Because I said, if you're a linebacker, if you play defense. Everyone knows the Steelers are historically known for defense yeah. and linebackers in particular. So I'm like, if you can play there, you can play anywhere, mm. and that was my mindset. So I took the jump in. Yeah. yeah, it worked out. It. But so it's not it like like <laughs> your
0: ego was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Oh yeah. But like you just had like you just knew like yeah. this is it. Absolutely, wow. and and
1: the thing too is like the pressure of the family situation. Like I said, having. Mm. Our second child just being born. Yeah, you're
0: doing the right thing. Right,
1: right. And then financially not being at the place where you're like, well, we don't ever have to work again. We weren't at that point then. It was Mm -hmm. like, no, we still got to keep this thing going. (laughs) Yeah. So all of these factors are playing in. And it's like when you're taking a one year deal at that stage, Mm -hmm. it's pivotal because if it doesn't work out, your career could essentially be over. Right. So you're really like, man, like, do I really want to bet on myself? And guys always talk about, oh, you got to bet on yourself, bet on yourself. And I'm like. Still. So let's do it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> like, like man. I close your eyes. Cross yeah. your like,
1: like, <laughs> like, hey, man, we, we either going to fly or we going to die. So what you the other? <laughs> We're going to, something about to happen.
0: <laughs> We're doing it. We're all in. But it Absolutely. turns out. It turned out great. Yeah. It turned out great.
1: Absolutely. But one
0: of my favorite on-field memories of you was an at-home game mm, okay. against the Ravens. When uh, you sacked Flacco, I guess it was like 2014. Yes. I can still play it back yes. in my mind. And like, Monday
1: Night Football. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. It was
0: such. Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. on-field memory as well?
1: Oh, man. So that's funny that you say that. I actually loved that play in particular because of Flacco because yeah. he was a quarterback. that literally I sacked at JMU, yeah. he played for Delaware, yeah. got him in Buffalo when I was with yeah. the Bills. And then came the Pittsburgh and got him. So he was always like, Yo, you know, that really was a huge it. thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, but, but um your, your first sack in in Buffalo? Was he the first one that you sacked? Yeah, yeah.
1: He was my first one. Yeah. yeah? Oh
0: shit. Yes. I didn't so for me, that. I was
1: Yeah, Um it was versus the the Ravens, it would have been the fourth or fifth game of the season, actually, down in Baltimore. Yeah,
0: Dang. so it
1: was crazy. Yeah, so I love that one. Me, i just, like, remember always, that
0: one. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then for me, I was laughing because um that was my first like Monday night football game, so it was like a big deal for me because right. in Buffalo we never played on prime time. So for me, I was like, oh man, like this moment is crazy. Yeah, and I remember getting the sack. My daughter at the my oldest at the time, like I had just visited her school. And they were like, yo, do this dance when you shake your butt after you get a sack. <laughs> so I like do that on camera and they go crazy. Like everything about that was just oh, awesome. I bet. So yeah, when well, that yeah. whole game was awesome, there was like 10 oh, yeah,
0: back yeah. that game. Oh god, yeah. Yes. Like yeah. Was random,
1: was random about, about it. It was, it, was, yeah. it was an awesome game. <laughs> but for me, I guess happen. um I guess my two favorite like on film moments, especially in Pittsburgh, number one would have been um, that same 2014 season, we beat Cincinnati to win the division, last game of the year. We got flexed into a Sunday night game. That was my first time ever winning a division, ever making it to the playoffs in the NFL. Mm. So that was a huge moment. And then my second one would have been 2017 after Ryan Shazier got hurt. Mm. We um we go into the next week, we have to beat uh, Baltimore to clinch the division, make it to the playoffs. Um, I ended up having to switch positions that week. We signed a guy off the street. He comes in and we kind of just rally around each other and find a way to win. And I remember like, just that feeling of like we did it for him, us being able to go back into the hospital, you know, that same day, that same night like, with the hat, with the T-shirt form. Like, yeah. yo, we did it for you. Like for us, that. like yeah, for me in particular, that was a huge moment. So yeah. Yeah, that, those are the ones that, that stick out the most to me right now.
0: Oh, man, I yeah. love that. I'm sure like it was just like the vibes all around were so oh, yeah. good that night. Just Absolutely. like smile. Well, because you you think
1: like it. the winning, like winning divisions in the NFL is hard right making it to the playoffs is hard but then when you factor in the personal adversity of one of your brothers being in the hospital right and like how his whole life essentially changed now you're like man like it just adds that much more to it so the fact that we were able to rally around each other and rally around him and win it for him and bring that to him and just see how you know he was smiling see how happy he was the whole process like those are the things that I'm always like. Yo, I, I'm really proud of that moment because we yeah. did it for him.
0: Yeah, and what a determined guy too. Like, oh man, not enough. That's not like the podcast or a whole. No different time. question. Like, we could just go no down that rabbit. Question.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so strong mentally, like yeah. overcoming so much. Absolutely. Um, so when you were released from the Cardinals, you went uh-huh. back to Pittsburgh. Yes. What made you go back to Pittsburgh? <laughs>
1: So honestly, I personally I really didn't want to go out to Arizona prior to the season. I was already like contemplating retirement. Yeah. And when I went out there, I ended up getting hurt. So I had to do what they call the injury settlement. So they classify like you have to technically sound like a release from it. But the injury settlement was basically us both agreeing that hey, I've been out here for six weeks. You could just pay me the rest. I'll go rehab on my own. I want to go home. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. It gets them, it gets me off the books. Yeah. So that's essentially what happened in that. But for me, I just, like I said, I knew I wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And after we played on my contract here, it was just like, man, I really, like I said, I just didn't want to go. But I still had that little bit left of wanting to play. Mm. So, man, my wife were like, well, you know what? At least go take the chance. Go see what it's like. See if you like it or not. And like I said, it, it it was a cool situation. But for me, I just knew my heart wasn't out there. And then the distance, too. Like, my family was still on the East Coast. Oh, so so the time stay, difference being away. Yes. Oh, yes. I didn't so
0: realize that. that. Okay. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier to go back home then. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that was, yeah. that was really, uh, the, the big factor in doing the injury settlement. Cause it was like, yeah, yeah you could stay out there and do your rehab and, and all of that, but you'd have to stay mm-hmm. in Arizona. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, Yo, I, I, I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a
0: big family guy too. So like, I, I didn't even realize yeah. that they didn't go with you. I would just have thought like yeah. family in tow. Well, like-
1: well, initially, so the thing was, if we would have decided to sign out there earlier, then they would have came. But I signed out there like literally the last week of July because mm. at the time I was really probably 85% on the fence of like retiring. Right. And it was just like, well, I still got that a little bit of, I want
0: to, you know, yeah, want to
1: get it up on my system. Right. And that's when they called me like, oh, okay, well, we'll go check it out. But yeah, for me, I was like, yeah, being away from the family, cross country, yeah, I'm, so, I'm good on that.
0: <laughs> so what like made you just come to terms with, yeah, I'm going to retire? Because this is, uh, this is yeah, pretty so, new. Like I'm, I feel yeah, like yeah. It's cool having this interview two weeks Absolutely. after you Absolutely. <laughs> It's fresh right now. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's the JMU connection. You know what I mean. That's what it is. But um, but for me, the the biggest deciding factor was, like I said, um, going into my last year in Pittsburgh. This would have been seventeen. I was already kind of thinking about it, right? But I kept saying, you know, I still have that desire to play. I still have that desire to, you know, do the day to day grind, not mm-hmm. just show up on Sundays, but be a professional. Yeah. And last year it was getting harder for me to do that. Not from an on-field play standpoint, that was never an issue, but me having that desire to wake up and go do the workouts, me having that desire to watch the countless hours of film, me having the desire to have to have a proper diet. Those are the things that I wasn't as passionate about anymore. (laughs) And for me, I'm like, I love the game too much to ever cheat it in terms of just showing up on Sundays and not putting in the work on Monday through Saturday. And I've seen people do that before. And I'm like, for me, I don't want to just do that just for the sake of getting a check. I don't want to do that just for the sake of saying, oh, I still play. So for me, that's why I decided to walk away. And I'm like, yeah, could I still probably play another two years? Easily. But for me, I know I don't want to wake up right now and go work out in the morning. I don't want (laughs) to, like I said, be away from the family. I don't want to do all the sacrifices that come with that. Mm. So that's why out of respect, I'm like, you know what, I'd rather just step away. But. The beauty of the media, I still get to be around the game, and that's what I'm loving yeah. right now.
0: Yeah. How does your family yeah. feel about retirement? Um, Are they well loving you home all the time?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so far, so good. The, the funny thing is, um, <laughs> they're not sick
0: of you yet. <laughs> well, well,
1: the funny thing is this uh, I actually haven't been as free as I thought because, like, once I did the announcement, I started doing a lot of the media stuff. So, yeah, I was doing a, a radio show every day with the Steelers during their OTA practices. Mm-hmm. Then I also had started my own. Um, or at the most show through like my social media channels and a podcast as well. Right. So it was like a ton of media stuff still going on. Yeah. So I still haven't really had the whole, I'm retired and I'm just sitting at the house. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like, Hey, I'm going to see you. uh, I'm leaving in about an hour. I'll be back in like two hours. Yeah. Versus (laughs) when you're playing, it's like, all right guys, it's six in the morning. I'll see y'all at six o'clock tonight. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference right now.
0: Oh (laughs) man. I love it. So do you think you're going to see yourself coaching? Is that a possibility? Ooh,
1: no. So this no? is why. So I honestly, you know, you acquire a ton of knowledge from the game. I'm able to motivate people and things like that. But for mm. me, the hours that I put in as a player, I mean, over those nine years, I missed so much. Mm. In terms of like my family, my kids, big moments yeah. like that. And as a coach, you're going to have even more time away. And it's less job certainty. In the NFL, The players run the league, you know, the players are the ones who have all the job security, the coaches, they'll get rid of them whenever. So I'm like, why would I want to hop back into that, you know, instability from a coaching standpoint as well and have to spend more time away after I just got done doing that? So that was really why I was like, I really would never want to be a coach, especially right now. Mm -hmm. But that's why I lean more towards the media side, because. I can still be around the game. I can still study the game and talk the game, but I don't have to have the same type of time commitments to it. Yeah. Whereas a coach or a player would have.
0: Yeah. I've heard you on Steelers Nation. Um, oh, I appreciate you I, tuning in. Okay, I, got, okay. I got really excited yesterday. Okay. My, my kids brought in the mail and they were like, ah, the Steelers said something. And I was like, what? Because my, my oldest daughter, I had tweeted, oh, this is like two or three years ago. She had said uh-huh. like, He's not gonna. She's never gonna get married unless the guy is a Steelers fan. And I was like, oh, I back that up hundred percent.
1: Okay, I <laughs> so like that. I
0: tweeted it. The Steelers yeah. retweeted it and then sent me a message, and they're like, we'd like to send Skylar something. So oh, wow. they sent That's her awesome. um, a hundred dollar gift card. What? To okay. Portman. Yeah. Um, I like that. A, a letter and um, an AB like bobblehead. Guy. Yeah, yeah. So it was funny <laughs> that she chose to to spend her 100 hundred dollar gift card on a Connor jersey. And this is like, wow, you know, first time, like rookie player. Yeah. Everyone was like, why Connor?" And she was like, oh my yeah. gosh, she's so amazing. And you had announced mm-hmm. this like full circle moment for her. Yeah. Um, so, so when she <laughs> got this letter, she's like, oh my God, the Steelers sent another letter. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. like, what now? Like what's happening now? Right, right. I had hit, um, the hall of fame level on Steelers Nation. Ooh, like they sent, okay. they, just sent like, they sent like a little certificate and I like opened it. I was wow. like, it's a certificate. So I was like, that's it. Like, <laughs> it's no, no her money her here, no Like, so high oh, from the man. last time, but yeah. So, so I hear you. You know, you've done <laughs> the Sealer Nation Radio and the Arthur Mo- Moat Show. Now I
1: appreciate that. What
0: else is going? Like, what do you have lined up? Like, I yeah. know media. You're getting into it. So, what's your yeah. plan?
1: Man, so um, I still have, like I said. Working on uh, doing something full term with the Steelers as far as doing both radio and some of their social media stuff. Yeah, um, um, I will be uh, calling a couple of the JMU games this year as well, doing some nice. color commentary, getting into the booth a little bit. So yeah. definitely excited about that. And then um, I'm still in, like I said, some talks in terms of doing some um, in studio analyst stuff here in the Pittsburgh area as well. So I, I got that. a lot of things that, that are like about to, you know, be officially rolled out over the next week or so. So yeah. you know, just enjoying it, taking it all in, and. Yeah, awesome. getting ready for a uh, a very really, busy football season.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're a great speaker as well. Like, I and well, I have noticed. Are as well. I
1: appreciate that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You know, but I noticed like a lot of times, like the Steelers would pick you to like yeah. almost be like a spokesperson. To, like, yeah. things. So I'm, like, <laughs> you're just so well spoken. So media just it. I don't. It feels like the next best thing. Like from from a yes. fan standpoint, I'm like this. I appreciate. That. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so Arthur, if you could leave. Mm -hmm. A thought nugget of inspiration for our audience today. What
1: would that be? Man, I'll say two things. Number one, regardless of the situation you're in, regardless of how successful you are, or or if you may feel that you're not all the way where you want to be, just keep pushing forward. Keep being Mm -hmm. great because regardless of that, your efforts are always going to pay off. You are going to make that whatever you're trying to accomplish. If it's being a CEO, if it's being a great husband, if it's being a great father, if it's being a great White, whatever it may be you're going to be able to accomplish these things as long as you stay true to yourself and then the second thing is know that you're good enough mm-hmm. people are always going to doubt you and that's normal people doubt what they don't understand people fear what they don't understand but mm-hmm. you know what you possess and everybody has a specific set of traits that makes them unique yes. so just believe in yourself know that you're good enough and that you'll accomplish whatever pr- you you truly put your mind to
0: oh i love that because yeah. I, co- I go back to mm-hmm. worth a lot because if you just like yes. don't really focus mm-hmm. on your worth like don't mm-hmm. don't expect someone else to tell you how worthy you are like that's totally an internal exactly yeah mm-hmm. you got you got to fill your own know, cup you, up first yes yeah yes,
1: but and the thing is everybody has that inside of them though yeah. like you have something that's unique to you that nobody else has i have something yeah. unique to me that nobody else has and you have to believe in it because i'm sure when you were going through your situation of being pregnant, like you said, having your, your first shot while you were in college, mm. I'm sure there was plenty of people that doubted you that you could yeah. be successful. Plenty of people that questioned your judgment. And same right. for me. When I told people I want to be an NFL player, plenty of people <laughs> yeah, like, doubted okay. me. Plenty of people, like, Super uh, yeah, cute. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, so, so what else do you want to do? Right. I was going to say, well, what's your, what's your other plan? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But for me, man, just understanding that, hey, I had a belief that I could accomplish what people say I can't. I can accomplish what people view as unthinkable. And I feel like everybody has that same type of power and capability, but you really have to believe it. And you have to truly know that deep down you're good enough to do that. And as long as you do that, man, you'll be fine.
0: Have you, have you thought about being a motivational speaker? I mean, like, maybe maybe that's, like, yeah. the next next. I might add that up the there, journey. too, Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, just go ahead and hound it all in. Like, <laughs> I never the meeting, or I, I go. Hey, <laughs> I like, there we go. Front row, here I am. I knew you <laughs> were Well, will you tell our listeners where they can connect with you further, check out your website, yeah. Media all that? Yeah, so
1: um so uh, I have arthurmotes55.com is the website, arthurmotes55.com. And then also on my social media, Dabody52, that's D-A-B-O-D-Y-5-2, and that's on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm on Facebook as well. So yeah, you know, connect with me. I always, I always connect back. <laughs> exactly.
0: I love it. Arthur, your energy is contagious. Um, I love that you're just shifting the world by leading by example. Like that's one of my favorite nice. things. I wish you so many more blessings. Thank you so much. I definitely so much appreciate it. you taking the time to do this with me. Definitely. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Seriously, how can you walk away from this conversation without a smile on your face? Arthur made my daughter Skylar's entire day, or maybe month, shoo, (laughs) probably even her entire year. After we finished recording, I asked him if I could go grab my kiddos to come say hi. Callie was a little too shy, but Sky, she jumped right in, said hi, followed by yelling JMU, to which Arthur replied, Dukes. She'll be telling everyone about this moment for a while. No doubt about it. For direct links to Arthur's website and social channels, head over to this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or even on social media. Let's get this podcast into the homes, cars, and earbuds of many. I'll see you back here next week for another episode. And until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.